Welcome to Cigar Talk, the podcast for cigar lovers. I'm your host, and today we'll be heading over to Big Spring, Texas to the Train Car Cigar Bar. We'll talk to the owners, Camilla and Brent, and see what their favorite cigars are, talk about how they got started in the business, and give you a tour of their shop. Anyway, stay tuned. Hope you love the show. Okay, joining me now is Brent and Camilla, the owners of the Train Car Cigar Bar here in Big Spring, Texas. To get a chance to come by, come by and say hello and see what they have. They have a ton of selection. If you like Roma Craft, you won't find anyone with a better selection of Roma Craft. Anyway, how are you guys doing today? Great. We're great. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. Oh, well, thank you for having me. First, we'll give them the setting. We're actually in one of the train car lounge to kick back and enjoy smoke. So, you guys started this business about, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we opened almost to the year two years ago. It was December 2nd, 2016. Oh, wow. So, just right about yeah. the anniversary. Exactly. Awesome. Well, congratulations. It's going wonderful from what I can tell. So, tell us about how you got started in the business, or maybe let's go back even a little bit further of when you started smoking cigars, what struck your passion, how, how did you get to where you are now? Well, um, part of it, Camilla bought me a pipe, but before that, <laughs> before that, uh, there's a group of guys that I would smoke cigars with on occasion, and at first, I just hadn't found the right cigar, nobody had introduced me to the right cigar, and so I would smoke something, and I was hit or miss about it. Um, I liked the idea of sitting around and slowing down life a little bit, but then I had uh, a cigar that just, it hit my palate and having something more paired to the smoker versus just whatever was available was really good. So I started getting a little more interested in that. And uh, as Camilla can attest, I, I can have a highly addictive personality and get into something <laughs> pretty heavy. So yeah. do you remember the cigar that like turned it on for you? Yeah, I don't smoke it anymore, though. <laughs> well, you should say it I anyway. Do. People it would was, be curious. Yeah, it was a Monte Cristo. Um, it, was, it was a Media Noche. Um, the other one, though, that I still smoke that this really did it for me was Arturo Fuente Hemingway series short story. And that there still, I'm that, that hits on say, everywhere. That's it. I'm embarrassed to say I've never had one. Really? I've never had one. I'll tell I've, you what. I've been in the shop selling tons of them. But I've just never never had, had a short story or no. any of the Hemingway series. None of the Hemingway. Oh, the Hemingway classic is phenomenal. Well, I think we can fix that. Yeah. Well, we need to talk. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what kicked it off for you. I was in the same boat. Uh, I used to go to Lubbock. You met my friend Tim, mm-hmm. and we would get together about once every month, once every two months, because I lived in Houston. And when I went up there, it was a special occasion to hang out. So we'd go to the cigar shop, and we thought we were cool. We'd be at like a fifteen dollar, twenty dollar cigar. And really never did anything for me, you know. I just, you know, thought we looked cool. And then I got a Kristoff. I don't even remember which one it was. And like the next day, I was like, I got to buy a box of those. And that's ever since then. I've just been a big cigar smoker. Did you buy a box the next day? I bought a box the next day. That's awesome. And I think that box lasted me for about a month, which is impressive. <laughs> yep. Because yep. now that would not be the case. Exactly. So, okay. <laughs> and when did you start, Camilla? So the very first cigar I ever smoked was actually on our honeymoon. And we shared a cigar and some port. And I really liked the port and the cigar was whatever. But it was on our honeymoon and so we, you know, it was fun. And then we, we were probably married two or three years before Brent kind of got into cigars. And he said he has a highly addictive personality. I don't know if it's that, but he really likes to dive into hobbies. 
he gets real obsessed with his hobbies. And so I knew that it was, I kind of knew that this was going to be his new thing. And he didn't tell that part of the story. So he, he had smoked, had been getting more and more into it and had found a couple of cigars he finally liked. And then he got online and was doing a squares for the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. And he won. Oh. And then, so he had, I don't know, 150 cigars. Is that right? Show mm-hmm. up. And it was like, what am I going to do with these? I don't smoke often enough. You know, like, what, how am I going to take care of this? And so he said, well, I think I have to buy, like, a humidor. Like, a real one, though. Not, like, just a, you know, so I'm going to buy, like, a winador. I was like, okay. And, um, now, we, the winador is where you take the wine, the electric wine cooler, and turn it into a humidor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was your first humidor? Yeah, I think... No, I bought a steampunk before that, but that wouldn't have held them, so... No, it wasn't, it wasn't big enough. It was just like a little tabletop one before that, and that wasn't going to work. I got you. So he was like, I'm going to... And so we had to figure out where we were going to keep it, because we lived in a fairly small house at that time, and we were like, where are we going to put this wine door? Like, you know, it was just a kind of a thing. And I was like, okay, we can, we'll can. we make space for your new hobby. And it like, went we in got, our front entry like coat closet and we ran a power <laughs> yeah, cord there was, like, no, there was no power in there so where the light switch was we had to unscrew the light or take out the, the light fixture put a new one in with the um, two-pronged receptacle the plug built into it put a pull chain on and then i replaced the light switch outside that closet with one that you can lock on or off nice. so nobody would turn off the switch and turn off my humidor and we had to open the door and use the pull chain <laughs> With the cord running down the side. Yeah, it was a real interesting kind of To take kind care of, of my cigars. <laughs> yeah, it was his new thing. And then, uh, and he's just, and that's sort of when you started smoking at home even. And like you'd sit outside and smoke by the fire pit. We had a, I let you smoke in the sun, in like our little greenhouse sun porch thing, right? Didn't yep, I? Yep. And we had, we had like a wood burning fireplace in a, like a sun porch. And I would let him smoke out there in the sun porch with the wood-burning fireplace. And so, and I guess that's when I started kind of sharing cigars with him. And, like, I would smoke with him some then. But I was kind of hit or miss about that as well. So, basically, it sounds to me like a big part of your story is that you won a squares. It was. Oh, I definitely think that that was what... It would have taken him years to get to the level that he got to without winning that square. Yeah, I mean, it, it gave me such exposure to different cigars that not having a cigar shop in our hometown, I mean, and where were you at at the time? Were you here? We lived here, He was here yeah. in Big Spring. Yeah, so it, it just, it quickly, yeah, gave me way too many opportunities, which was great, and trying stuff. There was cigars that I didn't recognize the band, so I think it's a junk cigar. Turns out it's a great cigar, and... And I'd, li- I'd light one think I was going to go do some yard work, which I don't really do yard work and smoke a cigar. I want to sit and relax with a cigar. That's me. But sometimes I would do that anyways because I, you know, wanted to have it make yard work better. But I just wound up not doing the yard work, and I'd <laughs> sit there and, you know, end up on an adventure. <laughs> well, and I think it exposed you to a lot of, like, you did a lot of research. You learned a lot about cigars because you had all these cigars. They were all different. Well, let me tell you this. On the intro to this podcast, which you guys haven't heard yet, I did say that Brent knows more about cigars than anyone I know. So That's one of the best parts about the cigars. Well, other than the cigars <laughs> and the people you're hanging out with and all the other good parts. Well, see, for me, <laughs> it's like I don't keep up with where all the cigars are from, where the leaf is made, and all that good stuff. And then I meet guys like you, and, I mean, they can tell you all that information. What's important for me is do I like the smoke? Mm-hmm. And so that's my passion. 
how good is the cigar? You have that passion, but you also have that, like, trivia information mm-hmm. that it's like, yeah, my brain's not big enough to hold all that information. Yeah, well, we always say it's the story. He can tell the story and this being all the parts, you know, and he just is really good at, here, let me tell you about the cigar, and it's going to be the whole tale about it. Well, usually the only cigars that I know, like where the leaf comes from or what it's made, what blends, is the cigars I don't like. Oh, yeah? And you know why? Because you want, don't want to have it again. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so. Well, then you should do that with the ones you love so you can repeat that experience in yeah, different formats. The, the ones I know I – well, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> so, okay, you say, so, I already know I like it, though. Uh, you're at that point. You're working a full-time job. You're working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So how did you get to the point where you said, you know what? I'm going to open a cigar shop. Well, he, he joked about it for a long time. Like, just as a random, weird, like, I wish there was a cigar shop in Big Spring, like, well, a lounge. That's what he would yeah. be like. I wish there was a lounge in Big Spring. And uh, and he was driving to other towns to go to cigar shops on a fairly regular basis. I mean, in his free time, he just wanted to go hang out, you know, and so he would and drive. around other cigar smokers. Yeah, and, and more and more into his, this new hobby of his. And so he would just say, I wish there was a lounge. And... Before it was our, before we were writing our business plan, you had gone to shops and told them to open in Big Spring, right? Yeah, and I'm gonna drop the hint. I think I was. I don't know how serious I was because I don't know what. Based on running, I'm not sure that somebody could have paid me enough. But I, I was in my mind fantasizing about taking a pay cut to manage and work in a cigar shop and almost offering that I'd run it for someone if they'd open one in Big Spring. And everybody told me Big Spring was too small of a community for a cigar shop. Mm-hmm. And so all these other cigar shop owners that he kind of tried to throw that to were like, no. And um, <clears throat> so I had our third kid, and we had just moved to a bigger house. And I was going to quit. Well, I did quit teaching to stay home with our kids and our last and younger baby. And we were maybe two weeks into June, so I had two weeks that I was done with school, you know, and Brent came home and said, I heard about this thing that will help us write a business plan um, as like a free thing that the city offers, and I think we should go talk to him about maybe writing this business plan for a cigar shop. But it was sort of just a weird pipe dream. It was like we were just going to play with it, you know. My day job. I was 10 years into my day job, which is a long time to be with a company. But I just, you know, before that I ever served with that company, I never thought I would do 20 years, 30 years somewhere. But I kind of was on track. I, I worked 20 years. So in another 10 years, we need to have a plan of what we're going to do. So I think that was the idea going into it, was that about 10 years out. I, think, I definitely think that's what you thought, because I've heard you tell <clears> that story to multiple people. Yeah. I don't know that we talked about it that way, mm-hmm. but he he just kind of thought it was this pipe dream, and I you knew better. <laughs> well, I, I knew that we were playing with let's just go to the pet shop and look at pets. It was that kind of a thing, you know. You don't do that, all, right? Playing with entrepreneurial yeah, fire. like you don't do that really. So I was like, okay. So we we went and talked to this guy, and he was very helpful, and he was all on board. He thought it was a great idea. You know, he thought, of course, y'all can make this happen. Which was, fueled the fire. Yeah, fueled the fire for sure. And again, this is this is June of 2016, and so we start looking for property. And then we've kind of like moved this plan into like, okay, we're going to buy a property downtown, 
and which was kind of my thing. That was oh, that yeah. part was kind of me. I wanted to be downtown. Um, downtown Big Spring is kind of getting revitalized, and that has always been something that I wanted to happen because I grew up here and I have always wanted that to be a thing. So and I love the idea of cigar shops being downtown. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, it's becoming a more rare thing because so many downtowns die out, mm-hmm. especially in smaller towns. But just having a shop <clears> in the downtown area just gives it that feeling of you know nostalgia. It does. Yeah, pretty cool. And um, then you guys have a train car, so that's just mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia here, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so we but we thought we were gonna have to rehab a building and that it would take a long time, and we were just kind of gonna pay for it over time ourselves. Like it wasn't gonna. I don't know how serious we thought this was going to be, or we just kind of yeah, thought it was, it was a new project. We thought that it was going to be something too far out, or all of a sudden looking for investors and partners, which is less than ideal because there's enough struggles just as a married couple. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you, having the, the business relationship and the personal relationship, if Rob, if you and I owned a shop together and we butted heads, we could have our words and go our own way and not see each other for a week. You know, we wouldn't have to cuddle up in bed at night. That'd be that'd be a little more awkward. But, uh, or, or parent, or all the yeah. other things that we have yeah. to also do. Yeah. So. Um, we kind of made some calls. I was trying to find us a property, um, and there wasn't like there was anything for sale. I just so I was just calling around, like this building's vacant. Like who owns this building? Who might be interested in selling it? You know that kind of thing. And somebody called us and said, "Do you want to see the box cars?" And. Honestly, we didn't even know that the business that had been here was closed and wasn't here anymore. So I was like, oh, well, okay. And We thought they were too small. We, we didn't we know did. there was enough space. We did. We in we just kind of, we were out of town when they called us. Um, and so we said, yeah, we'll see it on Monday when we get back. And we spent the weekend kind of talking about it. And we thought it was going to be too small. And we were like, that patio is really cool, but what are we going to do with the patio? And like... You know, like it was just kind of this weird, like, we don't think that's going to work, but we're going to go look at it. And we walked through this car that we're sitting in today. Well, what did it look like then? Um, it wasn't that different. The only thing we did in here is change out some lights, put in a smoke eater and paint. And, of course, like our decor mm-hmm. has changed it. But other than that, it was the kind of... The chairs and the sofa? Yeah, the chairs no. and sofas are ours. These are all ours. It was, it, was, it was a big empty room. It was just a big okay. empty room. But, but when the, we came to check out the train car, we, we knew about the caboose, and we knew about the other car, which has our, our bar. And those were the only two like inside spaces that we were aware of that were part of the property. I just, when we'd come here before, when we'd come in, we didn't realize that the one car only went half the distance, and there was a whole other train car in line. Because gotcha. they just never used it. Yeah. And so when we walked through this space, in you know my head, I was like, oh, this is it. Wow. This is it. This is the property for us. And, uh, and both of you were on yeah, the same page there? As soon as we left, like we were very vague to the guy we walked through with, so we were just like, yeah, like I don't know how, because this was at the end of July. And we were like, we're, I don't know how quickly we wanted to, you know, move on this. But as soon as we got home. But now you've seen the place, so you're like. We have to have this. this. But now, yeah. we, now we don't want to wait two years if all of a sudden we have a place and, you know, we can start making, make, you know, once you start having payments, you want revenue. Yeah. Right? You, want, you want a business that's open. And this didn't need so. the kind of work that we had envisioned beforehand. We thought we were going to get some building that was really dilapidated. And this was not like that. The patio got redone. The patio had to be re, the bricks all had to be relayed and some trees taken out and all that kind of stuff. But the patio was the big project. It wasn't indoors really. They, it was just painting pretty much. 
and the, we built a new bar, and we kind of redid some things. Building the bar, yeah. I mean, that was down to the minute. And uh, yeah, good friend Kevin and I, I mean, I think two or three days before we opened, we were still building it. And two weeks before we opened, we were still working on the design or changing the design of how we were going to lay it out. Yeah, of the bar, yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow. So and, uh, when did you get the humidors? They showed up within a week or two of opening also. When we... When we started trying to figure out how to how to open up and how to buy cigars and how you do that, we had no idea. We mentioned the short story. Our Trail Fuente was a fun one to court. Uh, before they'll open you up an account, they actually have somebody from the company actually show up and actually take a look at the property, and they inspect your humidors and do all that. We didn't have humidors yet, so we had no humidors. And wow. so well, and, and it was September, and the patio was completely ripped up. Like, you know, everything was a big mess, when, and I was so nervous. I was like, Arturo Fuente's going to come, and they're going to tell us that we can't have them, you know? And, uh, so Who do I, you think you are? You're just this yeah. crazy little idea of a dream. Yeah, and I hadn't been to very many cigar shops. I had not. And so I wasn't that impressed with our, us. Like, I thought we, I was like, what are we doing, you know? And, um, <laughs> but he came out, and how did that go, Brent, when he well, came out? Camilla was great, first of all. She, uh, you know, the mastermind of the hospitality side of things. And we have these wine barrels that were, they were still at our house, actually. And they they have a little hole in the side where, they, where you, you open them on the side. And the kids had put toys in there. We'd roll them here and you could hear the toys, the toy cars rolling around. As I roll these wine barrels into my truck and drive up here with them, put them inside the building. And I have a um, nice leather uh, three-finger travel case. We had that out, and I had an Añejo 46 that I'd been holding on to, and I had, uh, I don't remember the second Fuente, it might have been another Añejo, and then a, a 77 Shark that we had laid out on the barrels at Camilla, had them splayed out nicely, and we had a couple nice whiskey glasses, and nice. it was well staged, and so um, when he came in, he saw he saw that, and we were able to walk him through and give him our vision, and we did have to send uh, updated photographs actually, before we could ever get an order placed and sent in. But he, but as soon as he walked through... Sean was, was great. Yeah, he was. He was wonderful. He saw what we were going for, and he believed in it with us. Yeah, and, and said, this important. is a really, this is going to be cool. And so, don't worry about it. Y'all are going to get to have... Which was good, because it made us feel a lot better about That's how awesome. things were going to go. Yeah. So, and then you opened, and so, take us through how it went from, like, day one to where you got your feet on the ground and was like, this is going to work. Well, from the get-go, we did know that being a small town, we were going to have to have a full bar. That was kind of my, I said, we have to have a full bar. I don't think we can make it if we were just a cigar shop. Um, and so, at the beginning, it was a lot of bar sales, and all we had was, we started with two cabinets. Yeah, of, how many do you have now? We have five. You have five? And, uh, and that's about all we can fit in there. We've maxed out our space in there for humidors, which mm -hmm. makes well, sense. I'll tell you this, I've been to a lot of cigar shops all over, and I've been to humidors that are like three times bigger than what you have, and they don't have the stretch that you have. We, we, we can do about 500, 500-ish facings, and so I might not have every size of the cigar you want, but I'm trying to have the cigar we want. Unless it's you want. Well, that's true. That's that's happened pretty quickly. That's I've never seen around. a collection of Roma Craft. Like <laughs> we, we do have every we do have every every single core size of Roma Craft in most every LE. If you're looking for it, we've got it. And Brent really, he really has run with the cigar thing. I mean, he wanted that. That was our whole purpose for being open. That's our whole purpose for what we're doing. And so he built up the cigar sales. He's really worked it. So how's the other that. businesses around here? 
accepted you or pushed you away? We're from, I mean, me being from Abilene, it's a little bit just different scenario. Uh, smoking cigars is kind of frowned upon by a big portion of society. Is that the case here, or do you have open arms? Uh, a little bit of both. I'd say mostly open arms. Uh, anybody who is opposed to it, um, at least uh, it's very nice community. They're very tact- tactful about it. Sure. There's not any smear campaigns, anything about, you know. I'd like to think it's that, they, that we've done a good job of educating on the difference between smoking cigars and smoking anything else. But um, whether that's true or not is probably less well, than I'd I like think to think. I think there's but. a certain amount of, like, just they tolerate um, the cigar part of it sometimes. I think people appreciate what we've done for the community as far as, like, it's a pretty neat music venue. It's kind of a neat place to come just in general. It's, it's and you guys do a lot for the community, too. Mm-hmm. You're doing charity work. You're doing the Rotary Club. I mean, you guys aren't just sitting here taking everything. You guys are also giving back to the community. We, we have, and we, we enjoy doing that. That's a great, it's a great community. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I found that to be true with so many cigar establishments. It's not just about the business. It's also about the community, which I think is rare in a bunch of different businesses. You know, it's a, it's more of a community than just a business. That's true. Absolutely. Well, that was one of the fun things. We were actually, man, I'm, I'm going to keep plugging our Trail Fuente. I love it. But we, uh, we were really proud this year. You and I were talking, Rob, before the podcast started as far as that we have Opus X now. I don't actually have Opus X all over the humidors, but through our Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, coffins uh we we actually have that available and it, we don't make any money on those uh they're a coffin with these two cigars and we pay fifty dollars per coffin and all fifty dollars goes to arturo fuente jc newman company even cooler though all fifty dollars they collect on those they turn around and donate to charity they don't take out the cost of the cigars and the cost of the box all that there they eat that cost so 100 percent so of that money goes to the cigar family charitable foundation started out I don't remember how long ago now. It was either 2000. This would be a long range. It was either 2004 or 2013. I think it was. That, 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 anyway. You can look it up. Go to cf-cf.org. Anyways, they wanted to add a wing onto a school. And now they've got this whole huge, you know, organization. And they, they take care of school. They buy books. They buy meals. They do hospitalization for these children in the Dominican Republic. And that's, that's a really cool thing. Most of our charity work is local in our community. But that was a really neat option. We also get a, you know, with your donation, you end up getting an Opus X cigar and you get a Diamond Crown Julius Caesar cigar, and they're a box pressed torpedo like the Sharp. Nice. Really cool, really cool. So the fun fundraiser we did was we didn't even do it. We just we were the venue for it, and we wanted to work with them. Was Kidney Fest. That was for a, a man in our community who needed a kidney, and musicians played for free. Uh, businesses donated all sorts of things for the route for the silent funder the, the silent auction that they had going on. We had specialty drinks and then a, a portion of proceeds we donated back to their to their cause as well. How much did they end up raising on that? Was it a lot of a money? A lot of money. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a lot of money they raised. Yeah, especially fifth, for I can't I can't remember the number either, but it was somewhere between fifteen and twenty five thousand dollars. Wow. That they raised that night. Uh, but like you said, that wasn't us. That was the whole community coming together, and that's, that's it. Was really thing. neat. It was a really neat thing to be part of. So just shifting gears here, I hope we've painted a great picture of this place because it is one of my favorites. Let's talk about what you're smoking, what you're like, uh, anything new that you've tried that is on my radar or should be on my radar. Sure. Because every time I come here, you have a new cigar that I haven't heard of. Last time it was the Island Gin, mm. and that was a fantastic. And I haven't seen one of those at any 
Guard Shop Shakes. They're awesome. They're great. Those are uh, Jim Robinson's. He has uh, shops up in the, in the Northeast in Pittsburgh. Um, they're made by the Oscar Vidaris Cigar Company. And oh, so, see, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, and so, yeah, the, so the Leaf by Oscar started out as Jim's house cigar, and he got out to, to you know, multiple, a couple hundred shops. Now I think he's in over 2,000 shops with those. Uh, a really cool story on that that, again, kind of made us feel like we were, you know, that we were there in the cigar world is that we attended IPCPR for the second year in a row this year. On a Wednesday night, we were at the, or I was at the train car, and I was getting ready to go home, and I had a 40-ounce ribeye that had been cooking for two hours in a, Ziploc bag in a container with my sous vide device to to do a steak, and I had it set to it was anyways. That's my nerdy side of it. Stuff I picked up from the cigar guys as well. I leave maybe 5:30, get home, get the Weber fired up 550 degrees, and I'm gonna sear my steak. And my phone starts blowing up, and these people are telling me, "Hey, Island Jim's at the train car." No way. I was like, "No way!" Like, wow. He didn't call. He didn't say anything. Uh, I get a picture. I think someone took a picture of him and texted it to me. We cooked that steak quick, and I sliced it up. We, we ate quick as a family, and I headed up back up here. And it turned out uh, Jim's wife flies, but he drives everywhere. He's got a bright yellow Jeep Wrangler. It's cool. His Wahoo Jeep, and it's got Island Jim logo on each door. Nice. And a good friend of ours who, who really enjoys that cigar was leaving as Jim came in, and he didn't think it was Jim. He thought it was a mascot. He thought it was somebody dressed up like the company, a rep, something like that. So he just kept walking. And I got here, he's one of the first people I called. I know what he thought of those cigars. He's like, yeah, I saw him. That's not, I was like, that's him. Like, that's Jim. He turned around. He got his butt back up here. And he hung out with us all night. Um, a friend, musician friend of ours showed up at like 10 o'clock at night, pulled out a keyboard, started jamming out to some music as well. And we were open until, uh, we were open until midnight. And Jim and I and two customers wound up sitting out here until almost two in the morning talking, smoking cigars, and he just, <laughs> so anyways, the story was that, yeah, his wife flies, he doesn't, so he, after the show, they spent some time together, he drove over to the Denver airport, and he was telling this to the guys before I got here, that she got on her plane, he got into his, back into his vehicle at the airport, and drove from Denver to here, at, at the Denver airport, he didn't look up what it was, in. he typed in the train car into his GPS, and like, we were his destination, wow, and he showed up, and from there, he uh, spent the night in town here. Uh, we were able to call and find a room available at the hotel settles for him, and so he stayed there, and then the next day he continued on. He was going through Dallas and then Houston and making his way back up to Pittsburgh. So that was a pretty cool thing where, like, when someone, you know, owns their own company, their own shops, all these things, sitting in Denver, Colorado, types the train car into their GPS. That's pretty We awesome. know we're doing something right. right. That's pretty cool. That was, that was a really fun deal. Well, I smoked the uh, 2012 Maduro 660. Okay. On Tuesday, great smoke. The red band, that's yes, a great cigar. Yes. I am. I, I smoke all over the place on our cigars. That's one of the things that's interesting. Even when I find a cigar I love, for the most part, I try to jump all over the place still to make sure I'm trying and tasting everything that we're carrying, things that we're not even to know where we're at on that. But today I am. You mentioned Romacraft. I'm smoking a Coraline Intemperance VA. It's got that Brazilian Araparaca wrapper, and I love it. Um, Camilla's smoking one we don't have that she's considering bringing in, and she got that as a gift because the cigar community is a pretty good group of people. It is. So, <laughs> well, last time I brought you a cigar, and I thought, well, that wasn't very nice not to bring Camilla one. So today, oh. I'll make sure I brought her something good. Yeah, I'm loving it. This is uh, my father, Legran Oferta. Is that how do you yes. did I say that? Perfect. Okay, and I'm enjoying it very much. I don't know anything about it other than it's delicious. But it's the new one. Is that what you said? It's their new. I believe so. The newest so. one that we have is yeah. the other one. And 
just to do, uh, I'm doing, I'm smoking a uh, blind man's bluff that I got here at the train car, and so far it's been excellent. It's, Those are great uh, sticks. You know, I'm, I believe so. Yeah, you, you didn't get, you didn't get the Churchill, did you? No. Okay, so. I read about it before the show, and it was uh, Ecuadorian and a Honduran mix, and built or constructed in the factory of the Camacho factory. So, so that's that's our one of our newest lines in actually we, we did that at the show and so we did that with uh, Caldwell uh, and Eastern Standard in room 101 uh, Matt Booth's cigars as well I'm having a lot of fun going through those right now actually and trying those and then we had good news that uh, our good friend Jerry who reps La Polita also is now repping there was a, an in-house partnership between Caldwell Room 101 guys and La Polina that he actually reps both now oh, nice. so we have a good resource on that and so he's been been wonderful on that, and so I'm excited to so do those. We'll get an event scheduled as well, and we'll have an event on those. Well, I'll come down. Oh, yeah. So, everybody knows, so the first year and a half or so, you were actually doing a full-time job and running the league. Excuse me, not the league. <laughs> the train car, excuse me. Uh, running so the leaf on occasion, right? <laughs> I've seen you there. To the leaf, yes. So, how's it been since you come full-time? at the cigar shop and you're no longer at your old job. It's, it's been a stress reliever. We, we actually both were. Camilla says she quit teaching, but uh, it was, I mean, she, she was doing way more here than I was. And then she was For the first pretty, year, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And she was, you know, not quite single-handedly raising our kids, but pretty close. When I was working, you know, 40, 50-hour weeks over there, 30-plus here, probably more than 30 hours here, to be honest. Oh, you were definitely working more than 80 hours a week, both I mean, places, the, like, uh, for the, sure. Uh, the first almost full year, I, w- I wanted to be open seven days a week, and we didn't have anybody coming in on Sundays. And I'd get here at 10 a.m. every Sunday, and a lot of Sundays I'd stay here from 10 a.m. to 11 p.m., Wow. and we wouldn't put anybody on staff. The sales might sort of justify it, but sales and tips, just it wasn't there, and it was, it was good for me to get and meet and see people. But, I mean, the weekends, you know, when the kids weren't in school, I wasn't seeing them and doing that. And so that, that was tough. It was good. So that was one of the decisions that for the two of us was that having the, the our life back a little bit. And so so since you've come back and now you're working full-time here, you're able to balance out your home life as well? We're oh, trying yeah. to, yeah. So we well, get a lot more time. Had, I'm sorry. Oh, you go ahead. I had We had hired a man. Our, we made one of our bartenders manager a February which helps both of us. It let me not be here nearly as much, which really helped our home life a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, of course, when Brent in August quit his day job, you know, it's much better. Well, let so. me just tell you now, you have the coolest wife in the world. I agree. She's, she's the best <laughs> wife I mean, I've ever had. dream. <laughs> <laughs> this is my only marriage. <laughs> but I'll say, you know, you have this passion that came your dream and then became your reality, and she's been supportive, helpful, and even taking charge and helping with things when you weren't available. And, I mean, I know guys that their wives hate them smoking cigars. So the fact that you have basically an equal partner in this is amazing. Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, I'm going to tell that joke about that, though. That It's also frustrating at times because everybody just assumes, because, because I'm a man, that that I've done it all on my own, and that is so far from the truth. So every time someone says to me, are you the owner, I find my wife and I own the place. And when Camilla says, you know, if someone says and she says he's the, she's the owner, they almost assume that she's the owner's wife still, which is so strange. And that's maybe more because the cigar industry is a little bit, 
you know, on the men, on the men's side of things. And I think but there's plenty of women shift. who smoke cigars. And man. we're seeing a big shift on women we are. smoking cigars. So, but yeah. just compliments to the wife. She is amazing. Yeah, oh, thank you. We we were here two years now, and it, yeah, we wouldn't be here otherwise. That's for sure. It was it took both of us. 100%. I have to give now. If I give yeah. your wife props, I have to give my wife props. Yeah, she lets you smoke cigars, so she, and <laughs> travel travel around doing the podcast. And uh, you know, I guess back in 2017, I started building a cigar lounge in my backyard, and I bought a 12 by 14 shed. I did electrical. I did. Uh, insulation, sheetrock, paint, and turned it into the ultimate man cave. We won't talk about what it costs, <laughs> but my wife's completely cool with that. My wife comes out there. She doesn't smoke cigars, but I have a big screen TV in there. We'll watch movies or whatever while I smoke. So, I mean, I have an amazing wife, and I'm very, very blessed by That's that. Important. And to say also, you see, I haven't showed it to you in person, but I'm showing him my wedding ring, which is actually a cigar band. Uh, from LFD. That's really cool. We 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 threw our rep Lance off. I you, Rob posted a picture of a cigar where he slid his wedding ring onto it, and I took a screenshot and I sent it to Lance and I said, "What cigar is this?" I have people asking. They want that cigar, and he w- went to the ringer and I told him uh, just this last Tuesday when I saw him, I said, "Hey, that goose chase I sent you on, I forgot to tell you when I realized that it wasn't, <laughs> but uh, that was custom made. That was whatever." And he he was relieved on that because. He actually did put a lot of work in trying to find it. He talked he to a bunch of people in the company didn't and know about. didn't know if it was some sort of a special release or, you know, a, a shop exclusive, but still wasn't sure. But he said, that looks like it's something custom, and that's what they they, they came up with. But um, that's, that was a pretty cool gift from your wife. That's pretty cool. You know, and actually, it was a gift from my mother-in-law. Oh. I have the coolest mother-in-law on the planet, too. There you go. So, but anyway, so now that you're here full-time, I was asking Camilla earlier, are you smoking more cigars? Are you keeping it? She said you smoked probably more before because you were always on the road. Yeah, and that's true. So with with the other job, um, uh, when an opportunity came up that a delivery came up that we that we didn't have a driver for, and I got to do that, I you know put turn my Bluetooth speaker on and put on a uh, a podcast and drive out and very sel- not very seldom. I usually do smoke one to two cigars a day. Um, Still, and yeah. So I would head out there, and I would decide to have a cigar on the way to wherever and one on the way back. And so some nights when I was working, if I came out here afterwards, I'd have a third. A lot of times I wouldn't. I'd only have one on that drive. I might have the same cigar out and back. There's been days I've had plenty more than that, obviously. But, um, yeah, I don't keep one burning the whole time here because I end up setting it down and losing it somewhere. So, yeah, you, you do. And so it takes longer to smoke a cigar when you're working in a, in a cigar shop than it does if you're lounging in a cigar shop. Absolutely. And so... Um, I'll I'll do the, the not really cigar crime, but I'll let it go out and relight. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that if you relight it sooner than later, it's it's better. Versus we'll get people that do come in and they want to cut their cigar and take it and try to finish it next week. And we tell them, you know, you've been main, we've been maintaining that humidity. You know, there's some cigars in there that I, I have the original box that we bought. Or we we bought multiple boxes when we opened, and I've been aging those cigars maintaining the temperature and the humidity for two years on that thing for you. And now you take it, and it was, set, you know, right around 70, 70, you know, and you had all that hot smoke going through. You've taken all the humidity out of it, all that smoke that burned through there. You're not going to get the same experience in a week as you have now. Well, even tomorrow. Even tomorrow. Because like, I, I learned that pretty quick yeah. right off the bat is that uh, I used to not smoke 
you know, I wanted a really small cigar. So if I was going to smoke a bigger cigar, I was like, ooh, I'll, I'll smoke part today and I'll smoke part tomorrow. Yeah, I remember when the first time I came out here, you were still smoking cigarillos or... Yeah, well, and I, still, I still prefer that. I still mm-hmm. prefer, like, a very small smoke because I, like, to sit for this long is not my normal... You're on the go. Yeah. It's not my normal thing. And so I like to smoke a cigar that I can be done with in 30 minutes. That's just my preference. And uh, even at home. For me, I'm looking for an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm not working whenever I'm smoking. Right. That's a big difference. Right. Well, that's when a cigar is the best. And um, it it makes such a difference that it slows down time and you're buying back. I've said this since we opened it, but you know, you're buying back part of your life with that cigar. Absolutely. And you imagine in the hourglass, light the cigar. It's like turning the hourglass on its side and just pausing for a while. I and like I, and it. I enjoy that. And when it's done, you can get back to it. But if you were on your way to an airplane and you can see it, but you had to run and it's, you know, 10 football field lengths away. If you were a cigarette smoker, you'd light up that cigarette. You'd be running and puffing at the same time. And when you get there, you'd throw it, you'd cast it aside and jump in. A cigar smoker, you'd either put the cigar back in your pocket, make the run, or you'd say, you know what, you'd stop, you'd put up your feet and say, it'll be an hour or two for the next flight, i got a cigar to keep me company while I wait. Absolutely. It's, it's about the experience and the relaxation more than it is about with, with, with um, a cigarette or something where someone's you know, getting their fix. Or it's getting, about that time of relaxation, but in, it's even more than that because it's normally you don't smoke by yourself, or at least I don't. I'm smoking with friends or other cigar smokers that will become friends. So mm-hmm. it's also that social, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I agree on that. I, I like both. I, I can I can enjoy sitting in the backyard, having a cigar on my own, doing whatever. But I think it would be really sad if that's all that we got to do anymore, that we couldn't have that place where we could go and smoke cigars together. I actually really enjoyed it. The, the newest cigar journal that came out, um, they had an editorial before you even got to the contents, talking about all the cigars and those other things, called A, a Plea for Brick and Mortar. And it was just a really, it's a good read. It's a half a page talking about how, you know, with people going to online and doing all these other options, by bypassing their local brick and mortar, that they're not encouraging that. And that if not, if not, not enough people are doing that, eventually they're not going to have it. Right. And they could have every cigar they want in the world, and, you know, you can get 20 of them for 20 bucks, and they don't taste like anything great. That, you know, you, you might spend 50 cents or a dollar more. Sometimes not. I've found cigars in online catalogs that I, are the same price in a shop as they are there. And uh, you don't have to buy five. You can just buy one, or you can mix and match. If you want to buy five cigars instead of getting five of the same, you can buy five different cigars when you go into a cigar shop. Well, and you know, you I can think talk about them and smoke them with somebody. Right, and you get advice from other smokers. You do. Uh, one of the big things is, you know, at my home shop, everybody knows that I'm the cigar guy. Hey, can you come help me pick out a cigar? And, you know, a lot of new cigar smokers don't want to spend 10, 12 bucks for a stick, and I get that. Oh, yeah. So I've made a point to learn about a lot of, you know, more inexpensive cigars. Oh, yeah. And like the Brick House, great smoke, but what, six, seven bucks? Exactly. And you can get it in either, you know, the, the Connecticut, Toro Toro, or you can get it in the Maduro. You, you can get a good range. Another one you need to try, um, we love it, uh, Foundation Cigar Company, the Chartero. The Chartero, Gro- Chartero Grothschild, it's a shade. It is phenomenal. And, I mean, you're, you're looking at a $5 cigar. Yeah, I um, can't beat that. It, it's phenomenal. It's great. So, ordering online, there's definitely a market there. I get that. But for me, I like going to the shops because it's not just about the cigar. It's about the people that I meet there. I'm fixing to light up another cigar here. And 
I wondered if you'd go ahead and tell our listeners about it, because I know you know the ins and outs of all of it. It's been a while since I've talked about it, so I'm not entirely certain on everything anymore, but that is one of the cigars that hooked me on Warped, actually. So that's by Kyle Gallus, and it is uh, La Hacienda, which means the house. And you're putting me on the spot. I might actually give the wrong information. I, I want to say that that's Aganorsa tobacco, but um, it's phenomenal. It's about medium in strength. I love it. The band is beautiful on that thing. Uh, we've really enjoyed most everything with Warped all over the board on those, but that one there is just a great cigar. They've been harder to get lately, so we try to stay stocked up, so I've got, you know... I yeah, keep we're a couple, actually out of these. I keep a far. couple boxes hidden aside on those, uh, same with the Corto. And oh, then, I uh, love that one, too. Oh, no, it's great. Short little smoke, got a lot it's, of strength to yeah, it. Yeah, it's not one of my regular selections. Exactly. Size, mm-hmm. But then when you smoke it, you're like, wow, that smokes even more like a larger cigar. I, I love it. So I went... Uh, I went dove hunting with some friends this uh, fall, and I brought along some some other cigars we carry. The house handmade, just a, a Maduro Robusto, no band on it. They're five seventy five out the door, phenomenal. We smoke them all the time. All, we have customers that come in a crate of a hundred. You can buy a whole crate. I have crates of a hundred of these cigars. We move them. Wow. But I wanted something also to bring along, and I have to, actually the cigar I brought with the guys. We really enjoyed those, so that was in the afternoon. Once we finished hunting, we, we sat around and enjoyed cigars together, and that was a really fun thing. It was a little bit more to that bonding experience as well. So, shift gears just a little bit. I also wanted, I know we probably have some uh, new beginner cigar smokers listening, so let's talk about how to cut a cigar properly, because I'll tell you, it was so funny. I had been smoking cigars probably for about, I don't know, six months to a year. No one had ever taken the time to show me how to cut a cigar. And we, I was in uh, at the cigar shop in Abilene, Belief. I had gone up to the counter, paid for a cigar, clipped it, went and sat down. This grouchy old man, Bill, who's the owner of the shop, <laughs> I hear him say, Who clipped this cigar? And I was like, uh-oh. And he says, uh, whoever did this doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And I was like, that'd be me, Bill. So he comes <laughs> over there and shows me how to cut a cigar. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you go ahead and explain how to properly cut a cigar. You don't want to take too much off. That's the thing. You know, there's, I guess you could say with the construction of a cigar, there's three parts. There's the filler that they bunch up, and then they roll it up, and that second layer or that layer under outside of it is called the binder, which holds it in its shape. And then the final layer on that is called the wrapper, and the wrapper is where you get good majority of your flavor but it's just a single leaf on that cigar and then imagine if you took a wad of paper and you rolled it up and you let go it just comes unraveled so afterwards they take and they put a cap on the cigar and there's double cap triple caps so there's the pigtails where it's twisted there's different ways that they do that and that's the so smoking in that you're going to that's the end you put in your wad. that's at the head of the cigar and with that end that's what's holding that cigar together the band actually helps hold it together as well which I've got some people who take the band off immediately when they smoke a cigar. I wait until later on. I do the same because that is something that holds the cigar together. It holds it together. It, it opens up conversation with other cigar smokers to see what you're smoking. Some people always take it off that they don't want that or they don't want to either, they don't want to look cheap or they don't want to seem pretentious. Say that they only smoke, you know, a Padron 80 year and it's a 30-something dollar cigar and they don't want to, you know, it'll go both ways. They, they just enjoy it. They don't want someone to know they're smoking something expensive, however it goes. But we recommend usually to somebody, especially if they're new to smoking, to keep the band on just to help hold it. In case they do have a bad cut, they cut too much. Say that they have a lot, all, that they're mouthing the cigar too much and really chewing it up and taking that cap off. But when you cut it, you basically just want to cut off the top of that cap. And so um, the most traditional cut is your guillotine cutter with the two blades. There is a single, but 
I prefer a double blade guillotine. And you really only want to take off, I mean, less than a quarter inch, depending on that cigar. On a torpedo, you'll have to take more off. The and nice I always thing look at the actual cap. You can see the lines on that cap where you right. can see that. You want to leave some cap on that cigar, otherwise it's going to come unraveled. And then you never, you're never going to be able to set that cigar down. You're going to be switching from one hand to the other, always holding that leaf in place. It's going to take away a lot of the experience. The other thing is, I've seen it where it starts to peel. So someone just takes that outside leaf off and they just throw it in the ashtray. Well, they've given up the majority of the flavor of that cigar. Right. That's going to be a very different experience. Um, I'd say you always clip as little as possible. Um, something like uh, a Zycar XI or X1 cutter. Um, a good tip I've seen for new 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 users is just take it and just set it on the table. Set your cigar down inside of it and snap. Right. So if basically, you don't get you're enough, taking the cutter, opening it up, and then putting the head of the cigar on the into table. where the table sits. Yep. The other thing we've started doing actually in the shop now is up at our little cutting station at front is we keep perfect cutters. And a perfect cutter is is a guillotine cutter, but the back side of it is actually enclosed, so they can't push their cigar through too far, um, and that works out really well, especially for new new cigar smokers. They, they can't screw it up, and we just kind of protect them, protect them from themselves. <laughs> they don't know, they there. don't know what we, they don't know. Right, because we've been there. Oh, yeah. Um, you can be doing that and not paying attention. You go to cut your cigar, and someone asks you a question, you snip too far, and especially owning a shop, it's a little embarrassing to take the whole cap off. I can't tell you the last time I've done it, but I will admit that I have done it before. So, yeah, that, that's the first part, though, um, is just getting that and getting as little cap off as possible with getting a good draw. And I'll, put it in, I'll take a slow draw without lighting the cigar yet just to see what it should be like a, a thick milkshake. You don't want it too open, but you don't want it so closed that you feel like you're going to get a blood vessel popped in your forehead right? trying to, to pull air through that cigar. If you get that, cut it a little bit more. Um, for that, make sure that the cigar is properly humidified. You're buying it in a shop. We maintain all that for you all, so you don't have to worry about it. But say you have one sitting in a travel case or in a Ziploc bag, or maybe it's been on your dresser or your dash for a while, you might want to restore that cigar a little bit before you smoke it. If it's dry and hard like a brick, it doesn't matter what cut you put on it, you're going to have a hard time smoking that cigar. So, um, Or if it's too wet. That's actually that's a bigger issue for me. Someone gives me a cigar and they keep theirs at 74, 75% humidity. I can't get a good draw for anything on it, and you're much more likely to face some other issues. I've noticed that, that well. too when they're over-humidified. So, so that, that'll be a personal preference on that, but that's the cut. And then once it's cut, then you're able to actually light the cigar. I've seen people who light without cutting. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. It's really strange. They, they light clean, it before they cut they, it? They light it, before, they toast it before they cut it. And they, they're, the theory that I've heard is that you don't get some of the, the, burn, the, some sort of the burn or smoke going through it. Maybe the, I don't know. I don't understand it. It doesn't appeal to me. I've tried it, but for me, it's actually a lot easier to light a cigar once I've cut it because I'll start toasting the foot. You actually never let the flame touch it. Is an interesting thing. You know, I've seen some people jam that torch up in there and burn it, and uh, that's like toast. You well, want your toast toasted, but you don't want your toast black burnt. When I'm at home or in the shop in Abilene, I've gotten to where I almost 90% of the time light it with a cedar stick. And a lot of people think that, you know, they see you light it that way. They think you're being pretentious. But really, it's just a perfect flame. And I've got 15, 20 lighters, some that I really like, some that are just cheap and always need to have one handy. But using the cedar stick, to me, it's just a perfect way to light a cigar. And I'm not trying to be pretentious, because if you know me, I'm definitely not in that category. <laughs> so anyway, that's a great lesson for uh, cutting cigars for beginners. What, what would you tell a beginner that's coming into the shop 
and he smoked one or two cigars, and he's looking around. Don't buy the most expensive cigar because you think it's going to be better. Um, buy something that you've enjoyed, liked before. Maybe trust the experience of the tobacconist helping you. We're one of the customers that's telling you that. But you walk in and you buy a cigar that costs fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars. You're more you're more likely not going to enjoy it as a new cigar smoker, and it might ruin you of that cigar forever. Where otherwise, working your way through. And eventually getting to where you, you've tried different cigars and you have a tolerance for that and you, you know what you like, you might have missed the opportunity at your favorite cigar. You know, you take a Padron 1926, you've never had a cigar before. It's bold, it's spicy, it's pretty strong. You're not going to have the same experience as the guy who's been enjoying cigars for a while and worked his way through the humidors. Someone hands you that Padron 26, it'll, it'll be a whole different world as far as that. You'll get a few people, most of them not, we don't have to worry about that too much, that are wanted to be manly, wanted to prove something, and, you know, the biggest cigar and the strongest cigar. I started that way. When mm-hmm. I first started, it was like as, I wanted it as dark as I could get, a 60-gauge by six inches every time, and I just thought that was cool. And now, I hardly ever smoke a 60-gauge. I'm more of a 52 to a 56. That, that's more where I started, the 52, 56 ring gauge Robustos Toros. I've actually gone, I really enjoy... You know, Coronas and Lanceros, and it seems like you get so much more of that wrap relief out of it, and I enjoy it. Some people, I think they, they feel they're getting a better value when they're getting that cigar that's twice the size for only a buck more. But if you think about the, the tobacco used in that cigar, the least expensive on any cigar, well, there's probably an exception somewhere out there, but that filler is the least expensive tobacco. And you get to the binder, and then you get that wrapper, and that wrapper is the most important part of the cigar as far as flavor goes, although it all does tie in. And so ratio-wise, you're getting a lot more wrapper to filler ratio on a smaller cigar than on a bigger, larger cigar. And if the price difference is only a dollar between the small and the big one, you're paying for a lot more of the filler the filler than you are for that wrapper anyhow. And so something to be said for the larger ring gauges, though, they can burn cooler. you got to be really careful smoking something like that Corona or that Lancero. Try to smoke it too fast, it's going to get real hot. Most people, myself included, don't like that real hot smoke. You want to really pace that cigar. It goes down to preference, but uh, someone told us, I think, that the most popular size was the Robusto or the Toro, you know, an inch longer. And that's proved to be fairly accurate. I mean, that's where people like to go on it, and it's it's a sweet spot on the cigars. It really is. So tell us about some upcoming events you guys are planning. We uh, just we're finishing up. 2018. I'm going to tell you about the one we finished first because it was really cool. It wasn't even our idea. It was our customers. And that's now, is that the one really you fun. called me about? Yeah. Okay, well, first I have to apologize. I got sick and I was in bed for four days. So I'm so sorry I couldn't come out here. No worries. It sounded amazing. But go ahead. It was a blast, it. yeah. Our, our two-year anniversary was on December 2nd. So I, that was on a Sunday, though. And Sundays are a pretty low-key day for the train car. Fridays and Saturdays can pick up quite a bit more. So on Saturday, we wanted to have a party for everybody who comes out, not just the people who are, you know, cigar geeks like us. That The night before, we had a big band out here, the Locomotives. They were great. We had a wonderful crowd, perfect turnout. The weather really worked with us on what that. What kind of music is Mostly mm, like older classic rock. Classic rock, but um, I would even define, sometimes I call them an 80s cover band uh, because they do a lot of fun um, 80s now, sing-alongs. I don't know how old you guys are. Are you guys 80s child? From birth, we, yes. We were, bo- we were both born in the 80s. Okay, How's that? Never mind it. That's I grew up in the 80s, so that sounds yeah. great to me. 
We were both born in the 80s. We're 80s kids, yeah. So, but yeah. So the next day was our cigar, our cigar day, and um, we were able to to get our hands on some Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Unicorns, the Moister de Saca Diadema, and it is a cigar that was a personal blending challenge of Steve Saka, and it it's a little bit insane, and he's open about that, and it's it's a hundred dollar cigar, but it's not a hundred dollar cigar because of the alcohol they use to infuse it or the gimmick or it comes in a humidor quality box it's because of the work and the tobacco and what they put in to, to actually make it and they only made a thousand and so we were able to get our hands we originally planned on 10 and before before they even showed up people were wanting them and that was pretty cool so we got our hands on 20 of them and before the event happened which the well, event wasn't even real yet well and the event wasn't our idea yeah yeah. So whose idea was it? Brent and Kevin. Well, our customers. Yeah, our customers. Oh, awesome. our customers. And so they said, this is a really cool cigar, <laughs> but like any cigar, the experience and when are you going to smoke it makes a difference. So you get this $100 cigar, you don't want to smoke it while you're, you know, mowing the lawn. Like, what's the, what's a an event that matches that? And so they said, what are you all doing for your two-year anniversary? We told them about the music. They said, well, what about your actual two-year, that the second? And that's on a Sunday. And we said, you know, what do you got? And they said, why don't we all smoke that unicorn together? So it started with just a small group of guys. Well, then other people were hearing about it, and we never once you know, advertised it, never posted ahead of time of what we were doing with it in the same way. We uh, went through them all. We wound up getting 10 more. We had 30 unicorns. And, and by the day, by that end of that day, all of them were sold, and over 20 of them were cut and lit at the event. We wow. actually had a Saka Squatch statue that we, we had signed. We had two of them signed by Steve Saka. And one of them, we did a drawing of anybody who cut and lit the unicorn at that party got the, got the other one, and they got to have that, you know, on the bottom it said, uh, congratulations on the dose, I think, for two years. And then Steve Saka signed it, and so that was pretty fun. And So how was this cigar? It was great. It was, it was a great experience. It was, uh, it was fun to have that shape, that big diadema perfecto, where it's narrow, gets really fat, and gets narrow again. So it what was, do you call that shape? Uh, diadema or a perfecto. Okay. And it was, you know, it's almost like a cartoon cigar. That's what Steve was going for, that, you know, cartoon cigar. You see the bosses smoking where it's right. you know, very cartoon shape. Comes in its own little coffin. And it was it was a really, really nice presentation, a really good cigar. And so we're looking forward to this year's events coming up. We are working on one in March uh, to have Romacraft come out. I don't have anything planned January or February with the cold. We still might. I, I've got some talks with some different reps and something maybe indoor in our indoor space instead. But in April... 11th, yeah, mm-hmm. April 11th, it's a Thursday night, we're going to have Lance out from LFD, and we'll be doing an LFD event, and then in May, on May 2nd, we've got a Crowned Heads event planned, and that'll be a meet and greet, and that one's really cool, so Brian actually brings out uh, this acorn grill, he's got steaks that he's marinated, oh, and you buy a box of cigars, he'll cook you a steak the way you want it done, and it's going to be a blast, and it'll be a very fun time, those are both on Thursdays. We'll have live music again as well. Uh, we'll do both of those from 5 until 10 p.m. So being in a smaller town, we have to run our events a little bit longer. Some shops only do them for two or three hours. But being in a smaller town, we want more time to have exposure sure. to those customers that want to that wanna see and meet somebody from the brand. And that, it's just a fun thing as a cigar smoker. When you can meet somebody who works for the company who, as much as Camilla or I can know about the cigars, they know a hundred times what we know on their cigars. And they can tell you wrap or binder filler on every cigar off the top of their tongue, never having to look it up. They've got more stories on it. Sometimes you'll hear stories that you won't find, you know, in a magazine or on the Internet. You'll hear something that came out, and it's it's a fun way to do it. Plus, 
this fall we had finished our Rocky Patel event, and Gordon made a good point. He said, you know, keep buying your cigars as you do, but when you're going to stock up on your cigars, instead of doing your internet purchase, do your event purchase. You're getting free cigars that the FDA put some kinks in that with the reps. You can't just give out cigars anymore. But you can get cigar with purchase. And so at the events, you know, you buy three or you buy five, they might give you a stick. You might get something you don't get your hands on otherwise. I didn't know that's why they do Event that only way. sticks, yeah. And so, um, you know, when you get into, especially by buying a box or something like that, some of the, some of the stuff that comes with it, that it's not every, every company and that's not every event um, or every shop that you might get something extra for it. And that, I don't think you need to do it for that. But when they're offering it, that's when you should be taking advantage of that and go to those events and take take advantage of whatever you get with it. it. It's fun for us. It's fun for the reps. They love getting to meet people who smoke their cigars and know their cigars. Oh, it's fun for the brand owners. Our first event ever, actually, was 724 Cigars, and Kirk Kendall was here. And he actually, he loved Big Spring. He had a really good time, and he checked out old Big Spring, and he's a big history buff. And so that was pretty cool. So that was, I mean, we've had a lot of fun events over the years. We, we plan to have a lot more. Well, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I know you guys are doing great, but I just want to say congratulations. You guys are spot on, and anybody can open up a cigar shop and sell cigars, but you guys are doing it on a personal level. You get to know all your clients, and I just want to say what you guys are doing here is amazing. Thank you very much. So I look forward to coming back for your events, and when the weather's not cold, I'll be coming back just like the last time I came down, spent the night here at Big Spring with a buddy from Lubbock. Yep. We had a great time. In fact, he called me, I don't know, three weeks ago. He was like, where are we going to go again? And I was like, well, let's wait till it gets a little warmer if we're going to go stay the night. Yep. So, anyway, I guess we'll wrap it up. I appreciate both of you uh, participating on this podcast. This is the very first one, so I'm honored that you guys let me come and do it here. Well, we, we're you. glad you came to see us. We, we always enjoy our time with you. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate it, and we'll uh, be talking again soon. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining the show, and I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be talking to Bill Kalame, the cigar shop owner at the Leaf in Abilene, Texas. Uh, great story. He used to be a pastor, and now he's a cigar shop owner, and as I like to call him, the cranky old man. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Until then, keep smoking. Keep smoking.